4, verses 7 and 8. We're going to be reading the King James first, and then we're going to go back and read it in the New American Standard Bible. All right, New American Standard Bible. All right, so the scriptures read, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Uh, Look at somebody, tell them you have some uh, easier for us, our understanding. So it says, but stay away from worthless stories that are typical of old women. I I didn't write this. Okay, Don't get mad at me. <laughs> don't get mad at me as it is in the scriptures. I don't know what old women talk about. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. But rather discipline yourself. Who's going to do it? Who's going to discipline you? Okay. It's better. He's an apostle. No, I'm not going to. It's better that, uh, that you discipline yourself than for the Lord to do it, right? All right, so rather discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily training is just slightly beneficial, but godliness is beneficial for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Okay? This is amazing uh, passage of scripture, and I love, and I periodically preach on this, and I haven't preached on this particular uh, passage of scripture in, in a good while, and the Lord brought it back to my hearing uh, for it to share with you. So what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next several weeks is the seven habits, and I couldn't make up my mind what I wanted to call this, uh, but the seven habits of highly effective believers. Okay. And some of you may know about the seven habits of highly effective people, but this one in particular is the seven habits of highly effective believers. Okay. That's what we're going to write. And I'm not going to write a book on it, but, (laughs) but maybe you just take it and translate and just give me 10%. I don't know. All right. So the seven have, and and I thought first, initially the Lord was bringing to my hearing the seven habits of uh, highly blessed believers, you know, so you can, if you want to use that or the seven habits of highly favored believers. But I said, that sounded a little too cliche-ish. Right. And because what the Lord really wants you to do is be effective because you'll be blessed if you are effective. Right. Uh, You'll be favored if you are effective. So let's look at the principle of being effective. And I'm going to share with you momentarily why. Okay, so the seven habits of highly effective believers. Look at your neighbor, said neighbor. There are seven habits of highly effective believers. Come on, say it again. Say, neighbor. Say, oh, neighbor. There are seven habits of highly effective believers. All right. right. (laughs) Father, we thank you for your divine word. Is that the interest of your word that you give light? You illuminate our hearts and our minds that we may be able to see clearly what you desire from us. 
and the revelation of the kingdom of God. And I pray now, Lord God, as you are revealing to us your divine word, I pray that it will instruct us into a greater life in you. Lord God, we thank you. We give you honor. I ask that you will heal as your word is going forth. You said that you sent your word and it healed them. I pray for wholeness, soundness, and peace in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen. And amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. The seven habits of highly effective believers. Now, uh, some of these habits we can take each habit and really hone in on a habit, if you will, and 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 preach uh, the good news for several weeks on them. But I'm going to try my best to just highlight, if I can, uh, some good key points on these different habits. And because the main thing is for them to come into uh, activation for them to be practiced in your life, all right? So, uh, and these habits that are formed causes you to become effective in him. How many want to be an effective believer? Okay, all right. Uh, Yeah, prophesy to yourself and say, I'm going to be an effective believer. Okay, right, that's right. And uh, so, uh, so, Effective believers. So the first thing here we find in First Timothy, chapter four, uh, verses seven and eight, uh, that uh, he talks about godliness. The Lord desires for believers to be godly. You cannot be an effective believer without being godly. Okay. All right. Let me, let me see if I get you. you. Maybe you're writing this down and you're typing it in your phone or whatever you're doing, but to be an effective believer, a highly effective believer, you have to be godly. Okay. So the question then that we probe into our thinking is this, what is godliness? Everyone in the world has an opinion of what godliness is. There are so many different religions today that uh, can complicate what godliness is. Okay. There are people that are on, uh, and you don't even have to be a believer today and still have an opinion of uh, the definition of what it means to be godly. Folks that don't even aren't saved and don't even believe would tell you what it means to, to live godly. That shouldn't be right. Okay. We want you to ignore folks who, who aren't saved and don't know what it means to be godly from a biblical uh, perspective, right? Or, or biblical definition. So we're going to simply define what it means to be godly. And once we get this, then we can start honing in on the habits that are to be developed, right? For us to be effective. Before I get into that, I want you to say, because we're talking about effectiveness, Jesus wants us to be effective believers. 
He put it this way in John 15 and 8. I want y'all to put the media team put this on the screen because I want you to see it and read it for yourself um, for you to for you to see. And it's simple. This is what he says. Herein is my father glorified. Right here. (laughs) Thank you. Herein. Herein is my father glorified. Yahweh is glorified in this, that ye bear much fruit. That's being highly effective, don't you think? Is that not what he's saying? That you be highly effective is really what he's saying. So shall ye be my disciples. Now, in the New American Standard Bible that we just read, he puts it this way. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, watch this, and so prove to be my disciples. I said, I like that better. Because now he's saying, you're going to have to prove yourself to the world to be my disciples. And you know what's happening in today's world? We're not showing any proof or as little proof where he wants highly effective, proven people, if you will. All right. So he says, I want you to bear much fruit, not just fruit or little fruit. He says, I want much fruit. If you want to glorify God, glorifying God isn't just you lifting up your hands on Sunday morning. Hello. (laughs) Right. I know it's so crowded in here. You can't hear me. Right. (laughs) All right. So but he in order for us to glorify God, the father, Yahweh, he says we have to bear much fruit. He desires for you to be highly effective, okay? And the only way we can be highly defective is that we become godly. Somebody just just said that godliness is God-likeness. It's God-likeness, like God, godliness, Okay. All right, so God-likeness. When they say a Christian, they're talking about Christ-likeness, you know. So uh, that's just a very simple to try to get you to see the point. But you have to get there. As a believer, we're not talking about salvation right now. We're talking about those who have received grace. Remember, we just went over a whole message about grace and being favored by the Lord. Okay, you received Uh, For it is by grace that ye are saved, all right, Uh, through faith. And so you receive the precious gift of of grace and salvation. So we're not talking about salvation. You already received salvation now. So you're a believer. So now as a believer, we're talking about how we, who we should become as believers so that we can be effective. Are you getting this? Okay, good. So godliness... Um, as you look in uh, the dictionary, uh, the first thing that it says is devoutness, devoutness, okay, devoutness, and moral uprightness. So morality has something to do with godliness. (laughs) Okay. 
morality has a lot to do with godliness. <laughs> so the enemy's objective or his assignment is to, uh, to get the church to deceive the church or the believers into living an immoral life while they're saved. He may not be able to affect whether you're going to heaven or not. But it can affect how effective you are on the earth. What separates uh, the church from the world is morality. We'll accept any and everything and sometimes call evil good evil. <laughs> there are certain topics Today, that if you temptation, if you refute those things, they will cancel you in this culture. They want to silence the preacher for cutting against the grain of society on certain issues. And so morality is being defined by the world. Can I slow walk this? <laughs> Who's defining your morality? Because whoever defines your morality is going to define your godliness. How does God look to you? What do, does God require from your life? Are we studying the text long enough, meditating on it to understand what God desires from us? Since he has called us, since he has justified us, since he has predestined us, since he has, he, he says he's going to glorify us. And if we're going to be glorified, that means we're going to have to learn how to live in his presence. Adam avoided the presence of God because of immorality. He disobeyed God. And somebody said, well, it was a simple thing. He just, he disobeyed God by uh, eating the fruit. That has nothing to do with morality, but it does. Who defines our morality? It goes beyond adultery. <laughs> it goes beyond homosexuality and sexual sins. There are social sins, but there are also spiritual sins. <laughs> and it was a spiritual sin uh, that Adam had committed in the garden. And God had to drive them out. 
and put cherubims in front of the entry point of the, of the guard because of immorality. God's moral standard. Hallelujah. <laughs> Devoutness. Moral uprightness. The word devout comes from the word where we get the word devote. Is a devoted person, a person devoted, and in this case, devoted to him. What is devotion? A person extremely dedicated to another. When we're married, we're supposed to be extremely dedicated to the other person. Why, why doesn't the Lord like adultery? Is it, it's not just the sexual act, uh, action. It's all about the immorality of becoming undevoted. Becoming disloyal. Uncommitted. Because it's that that leads to the the act of adultery. (laughs) Are you listening to me? So now we have to check our devotion. We think devotion is just singing a song. No, that's singing a song. It's an aspect, but it's not necessarily devotion. Because we could come in on Sunday and sing songs to him and walk out on Monday, Sunday evening, (laughs) and become undevoted. And look like on Sunday we're devoted. But godliness is an extremely dedicated person to another. In this case, to Yahweh, Yahusha, Jesus, however you want to call it, his name. How dedicated are you? Do you have an ardent affection and attachment? To Jesus. Why is it that so many people are going away from the faith? Not just from church, but from the faith. And starting to practice any and other and, and everything. Why is it? We can't complain. That is the way of the world and things of that nature. We must evaluate who we are. So now our godliness is under evaluation. (laughs) Hallelujah. Our godliness 
is under evaluation. Now watch this. Devotion. So we're talking about devotion. Devotion is shown in behavior. Yes. <laughs> devotion is shown in behavior. Watch this. This is what the Lord told me, gave to me. That's why I was in the office. I said, I got to scribble this down because I'm going to forget if I don't. He said this to me, and I, I was like, wow. How you behave shows what you really believe. I know it's simple. You probably heard it before, but I think I want to remind you. How you behave shows what you really believe. Let me say it one more time. How you behave shows what you really believe. For those who are writing it down, uh, just take a moment and look at your neighbors and neighbor. How you behave shows what you really believe. <laughs> and guess what? We should be able to put each other in check when we see each other misbehaving. <laughs> oh, Lord, my God. Accountability puts our behavior in check. This is tight, but it's right, isn't it? We're going to get to the habit part in just, in just a few minutes here, all right? We're going to get into the habit. But the number one thing now that, that the world has crept, the craftiness of the enemy, what he has done, he has crept into the church and told the church to tell each other, don't judge me. That's what we're doing. Don't. So to the point well, where we can't correct each other. That's why he did that. And so when we're early judging each other, we are discerning behavior. And saying this doesn't line up with scripture. It's not a judgment of you, it's a, it's a correction of behavior. For your soul's sake. <laughs> because why? We want you to be able to bear much fruit, and that behavior isn't conducive for bearing fruit. Right. <laughs> if you want to be e highly effective. <laughs> if we correct our children, how many correct you still correct your children? How many children are correcting you? Just, I'm just, just wanted to ask. Children are challenging you these days. <laughs> They'll challenge you. All right. And so, uh, <laughs> So, 
Devotion is correcting behavior. Devotion, let me put it this way, is allowing your behavior to be corrected. Let me put it that way. Devotion is allowing your behavior to be corrected. Anybody like that? <laughs> now, let me get into this particular text. Now, I also said that it's attachment and it's affection, an ardent affection. That's what devotion is. is an ardent affection towards another. And so when you're devoted uh, to Yahweh, um, yeah, uh, there should be an affection, your attachment with him. And that's why we worship. That's why we praise, because now that's demonstrating our affection towards him. But that's not just it. But my dedication is in my walk. You see that? My affection or my desire for him is in my worship, but my dedication is exemplified in my walk. So I need worship and a walk. So he goes on to say, but stay away from worthless stories that are typical of old women. I haven't surveyed any old women lately, so I, I'm a pass by First uh, Timothy four seven a. Now I know some old women that can get caught up into some conversations, but I don't hang around to listen to their conversations. Right? Uh, he says, rather discipline, write that word down, discipline. Discipline yourself. Now, a lot of athletes know, anybody played football, basketball, wrestled, did whatever, ran track, do whatever, athletic uh, uh, participation, whether you're in school, little league, high school, army, wherever you was at. Okay, any type of form of competition, you had to prepare for those games or whatever the case is, right? And so you had a coach that uh, that was to try to motivate you um, to develop to develop certain he was trying to get or they're trying to get something out of you that's going to bring results so that it can help benefit the whole team for whatever assignment you had. And I can only choose myself. So in school, uh, I was a wide receiver and a defensive back. So that was my assignment. I wasn't trying to be a running back or quarterback on the line or anything like that. So I didn't necessarily have to understand their, their development looked a little different than mine. But we all had certain uh, things that we did together, like jumping jacks, like push-ups and crunch, crunchies, crunches, 
leg lifts, six inches high. Hold them for a minute. And it was developing our core and things of that nature. So you understand. So we all did those exercises together to whip us in shape to make sure nobody was out of shape. And then we had certain specific assignments, uh, developments, and trainings for whatever uh, assignment or position we were on the field. So ministers of the gospel, that's your, you, you, we all have a general exercise that we should be doing together. It's called holiness. All right. And then we have those who are called from among us to minister the gospel and to do whatever you're ordained to do, whatever, whatever. Then you start having specific assignments and development. Okay. So if you're the, uh, if you're a worship leader, now you have specific assignments to develop your ability to lead folks into worship. Not just sing, right? But to lead people into worship. Uh, And so the preacher has an assignment to make sure that he learns how to preach. (laughs) Right? Uh, Right. So whether you're just starting off or whether you're 10 years into it, you have to be able to discipline. And watch it. Discipline yourself. The preacher has to discipline himself to learn how to preach. You're waiting on the bishop to teach you how to preach. <laughs> the bishop can't teach you how to preach, run over and try to tell the minister of music how to play m- music, run to the worship team and tell them or try to train them on how to worship. The bishop will lose his mind. He says, discipline yourself. Train yourself. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you, y'all looking at me like, uh-huh. All right, so, so godliness now has everything to do with you training yourself. <laughs> now, we present the tools but you have to train yourself. We can't force you to come to Bible study. Bible study is the tool, is there. Whether you do it, uh, we have a collective approach for discipleship. Whether you come or not, that's on you. Because why? You have to train yourself to be there. Ooh. Lord, when I asked for calmness, I didn't know everybody's going to be quiet. <laughs> Amen, church. <laughs> you have to make, now, so, and it comes from the mind. You have to make up your mind that this is what I'm going to do. Guess how many times you got to make up your mind? You have to keep telling your mind, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's a prime example. 
Sunday morning is fellowship, and we come together. The Bible tells us, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together, as the men or some are. We see, and, uh, you know, so this is a, a divine biblical principle that we should do. Whatever. We have to literally tell ourselves to go to church. You do. I do. And I'm the one that's preaching. Pastor Johnny, in my earlier years, I didn't have to tell. I just went to church, preached, and did whatever. But now it's like, you know, in my wonderful years, <laughs> in my years when I want to enjoy the fruit of my labor, I have to tell myself, you got to go to church. In my years where um, I don't get up like I used to in the morning. I have to tell myself, yeah, you got to go to church. You can't just lay here for another two hours. You got to get up and go to church. And I have to say to myself, self, <laughs> bones be healed. <laughs> <laughs> eyelids stay open. <laughs> so that's what happens to us 50 and older. Older. Am I right? And I only had one injury in my life, and that was when I was 51 years old on the basketball court. And I still came to church with a boot on. Y'all remember, right? I didn't make no excuses or say, well, it ain't going to look like right for the pastor to have a boot on. And so I'm just going to stay here for six weeks at home. Got up, laced up my boot. Came to church and preached. I may have been about five inches higher than I was. I was six foot one preaching. But I preached and expressed my devotion and my commitment. So we're committed. You have to discipline yourself. This is what we're saying. If you don't get anything else today, Catch that. Discipline yourself. Now, discipline yourself doesn't mean that you have to be alone. We know when we're not when we're alone that if we don't have a spotter, we're not going to put as much weight on the bar. Oh, well, let me just do some reps today. I'm just going to put 100 pounds on the bar. Well, you know, you can really lift 225, but I'm just going to do some reps of eight with 100 pounds because you're not going to really stretch yourself. It's only going to be that spotter that's going to tell you, you know, let's get some reps in with that 225. Matter of fact, let's put 230 on it. I got you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's it. That's it. 
I'm talking prison talk now, but you know. <laughs> you know, I got you. We're gonna you gonna give me one today. That's how am I am I tell that's is that what we did? And that's what we gotta do. That's what we have to do. We have to the Bible says provoke one another. That's what he's talking about. What are we provoking each other to do? Come on, let's let's really let's identify that. What are we provoking one another to do? Are we provoking each other to talk about each other, to criticize each other, or to provoke each other to do what? To do good. Is that's a habit or a behavior? Do good (laughs) right that means you got to do something i got news for you according to psalm one whatsoever you do it shall prosper now whatever you think i know we've been talking about the mind and thinking and all that really stems from the mind but you can think all day but if you don't do anything ain't nothing gonna prosper you're gonna have great thoughts Nothing's going to materialize on the earth. If God is envisioning, you got some great vision and things, aspirations in life that you've been thinking of, uh, you know, got good, wonderful bits. Ooh, if I do this, then this can happen. It ain't going to happen until you do that. <laughs> I hope I just helped somebody on that So an extremely dedicated person understands doing stuff. (laughs) An extremely dedicated person understands what they have to, to do. We're talking godliness here. Godly people understand what they must do. Can I slow walk it? Just I got about five more minutes. Godly people understand what they must do. The only way we can understand what we must do is that we read the scriptures. <laughs> See, this is a very simple word, I mean, but it's good. <laughs> study, and I think I said this last week, study to show thyself approved unto God, right? A workman, that means somebody that's working it out. Right, working the scriptures, applying the scriptures to their life, they won't be ashamed. That's what he says, because they now know how to dis, uh, distinguish or rightly divide the word of truth. Right, so you're studying 
to apply truth to your life. That's basically what he's saying. You're digging into the text and to the scriptures so that you can know what to apply to your life. When you do that, you're going to bring results that glorifies God. That's why he says some people are ever learning. But never. (laughs) Ever learning. But never coming to what? The knowledge of the truth. A workman is in the shame because he's discerned and start applying truth. But there are some folks that are ever studying the Bible, but not applying truth. <laughs> See? And can quote more scriptures than you, but aren't living in truth. You know what the world says today? This is my truth. Well, I hope your truth is what Jesus said. Because Jesus has a truth. And I want to align myself up with Jesus' truth. This is my truth, what Jesus said. I'm telling the world has crept into the church. And you get, and for accountability's sake, uh, we try to help encourage each other and challenge and correct each other. And the moment, and the, what the, the, the thing that crept in is, don't judge me, and this is my truth. And we have to be careful that we're not the ones talking like that. Especially when it's, when it's an opportunity for us to change and be developed. I got a good news for you, though. If you know somebody who's in the church who's a gossiper, I don't care what they say to you. You don't have to even you don't even have to entertain it, whether they're telling you the truth or not. Y'all don't like me today. (laughs) If it's a worthless story. Old wise fable. Something typical of, oh, man, that's funny. He said, you either got to entertain it. If you got some gossiping, uh, and men gossip a lot more than women these days, but if if you got some gossiping people in the church, he says, Don't, you ain't got to entertain what they say to you because they may just be saying it just to go back and gossip. Get some more tea. There was some hot tea on you. You don't have to worry about them. But if you know that there are people who really mean you well and good and is challenging you and want your faith to grow and want you to really glorify God and seize potential in you, uh, and they're challenging you and correcting you, you, it's time to heed. Okay, you got it? So let's talk about um, now that we understand devotion uh, and that we have to discipline ourselves 
Uh, in the King James, it says, exercise yourself. I'm going to use that analogy real quick here. So he says, exercise yourself. And so we go and um, in the old Greek, because it's the Greek word for exercise is gymnasia, right? Uh, where we get the word gym or g- g- gymnastics. Uh, so, and that was in that biblical time, even though we have modern gymnastics, but it was the g- people uh, exercising in the gym. Now, in uh, the biblical times, the Greeks exercise naked. <laughs> they were naked. They wanted to show off their physical prowess or whatever, and they, you know, so they had everything just out. <laughs> They were exercising naked, Pastor Johnny. <laughs> so when he, so Paul has this in mind, gymnasia, or gymnazo, and and he's saying that I want you when it comes to godliness, you've got to exercise naked. That don't mean to come to church with nothing on. Talking about you dancing like David. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's identifying is transparency. You see that? That when you're disciplining yourself, you have to do it transparently. What am I saying? That if anybody that comes to you to hold you accountable, you have to accept what they see. You're not getting what I'm saying here. You have to yield to instructions. You have to yield to correction and say, you know what? Thank you. I'm going to get better just based off of what you showed me because maybe I didn't see that. Okay, maybe I'm here by myself. So we have to be, have to train naked. We have to, <laughs> we have to train transparently for the purpose of living for God. I hope you wrote that down. I have to train transparently for the purpose of living for God. I'm on a mission to glorify the Father. That should be our mission. I'm on a mission, Brother Earl, to glorify the Father. So now I have to train transparently. I have to take in whatever instructions and whatever corrections that the Lord gives me, not just in prayer. But when he uses somebody to come to me and tell me about myself, I have to yield in consideration to what's being said to me. Now, I'm not talking about somebody in the world. Then God can use somebody in the world, but oftentimes he uses one another. Because perhaps one another is training transparently. 
So in the gym, you know, they got the mirrors and stuff. And, you know, you're checking yourself out while you, you know, you're exercising and stuff. And to you, you slimming down. Might be a trick mirror. I don't know. But just <laughs> when we're in the mirror, we're like, ooh, I'm so, and you're doing all. Now, all you did was 10 push-ups. And you, because on the inside, you kind of feel better. But that doesn't mean that something has manifested differently. So sometimes we'll come to church and we'll feel good because the worship is there and, and the love of the people is there. And you feel like, yeah. You feel the love of God forgiving you and of your sin and whatever the case is, and then you come. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you changed. You just felt better. And it's okay. He does want you to feel good and not bad. That's why he forgives us and removes shame and, and guilt and all that stuff so that we can get ourselves together and put a focus, get a focus in our heart. My heart is fixed. My mind's made up. He wants you to get that together so that you can start a whole new regiment of life. Until we get to a place we're glorifying God, the Father, Yahweh, Elohim. <laughs> so the word habit, after you train long enough, because training takes more than one day, it's not a New Year's resolution. It's a dedication, a daily dedication. Is it not? That's what training is. My coach would be like, mispractice. <laughs> you already know what I was going to say. Mispractice if you want to and see if you won't be on the bench. Right? Why? Because he knew that it's going to take a daily dedication to whatever craft that was doing in football or wrestling or whatever it may have been. So it's, it's a daily thing. That's why Paul says, I die daily. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> right. So we train ourselves. So now that we're training transparently every day, it develops Habit. I'm going to define habit according to the dictionary. A habit is an acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. I'm going to say it again. How many are writing this down? This is what the Lord wants. He wants habits. 
A habit is an acquired be acquired behavior pattern. Regular regularly <laughs> regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. Now notice that he says acquired. This is going to help somebody. We were always taught that certain habits were required. And it put us under the gun. And we felt forced. It may not have been necessarily anything wrong with that, but it's borderline legalistic to force you to pray. To force you to read scripture. So let's take the forcing out. Because it has to be voluntary, not go against what you ultimately want to do. You have to volunteer your life to form these habits. So it's not necessarily, I mean, it is, but it shouldn't be force, a force requirement. But it has to be not required, but acquired. To the point you force yourself. <laughs> That's why in marriage, we can't force the other person to change. You're supposed to know who you married. And pray and encourage and challenge each other for effective change that's going to benefit the entire marriage. But we can't force each other because the force is going to have some what? Back up off me. No. <laughs> Resistance. And in the church, we've got a lot of resistance. Maybe they felt forced. What has happened is both sides of the pendulum swung this way. Legal, borderline legalistic way of requirements of hab building habits, feeling forced to go on to the other side. Like, I ain't even going to say nothing to you. You know what the Lord said. And that didn't benefit anybody because they never did it because they didn't feel anything. No conviction or nothing. And so, and the person's life is still the same. How can we get to that happy medium? Where now you understand that you are really required by God, but you have to yourself acquire certain behavior patterns. Goes back to the mission. Do you really want to glorify God? Jesus says, herein is my father glorified. That you bear much fruit. And there are certain habits. If you even read the verse before that, 
Let's read verse 7, John 15 and 7. Real quick, get it on up in the media team. You're right there. All you need is a click one button. I don't know what they have to click. I just said that because it sounded good. Just click one button. No, it's <laughs> So John 15 and 7. There it is. If ye abide in me. I'll be, that ye, I kind of get a little phobia when I see Y-E these days because it's almost like yay, like Kanye. Just a joke, y'all. Just a, if, <laughs> if Kanye abide, no, I'm just playing. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Then he says, herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. I'm going to talk about prayer when I get back. I'm going to talk about this asking thing. Asking what ye will. And it shall be done unto you. How do we get to that point where we can ask and things take place? is isn't already in the text. But we're not going to deal with it today. We're going to talk about habits. And then after that, we're going to actually get into the habits starting when I get back. Right here at Kingdom Celebrations. <laughs> An acquired behavior pattern regularly followed until it has become almost involuntary. It becomes part of who you are. We have to get to the place of transparent training till we build habits, acquire Behavior patterns that are almost involuntary. Hmm. That's godliness. Get that out. The word acquired means to come into possession of. There are behaviors that the Lord wants you to possess. Another word that he uses there in that definition is, is to come into ownership of. There are behaviors that he, the behavior patterns that he desires for us to own. That's like real estate. designs for us to own. All right. So uh, how can I leave you? Lucille. <laughs> so there are, there are behavior patterns that the Lord desires for us to possess until they become in, they're going to be involved. Our possession is going to look like involuntary 
doings. That is almost automatic that we do it. The work is in the training. Training is becoming committed to instructions. Guess when you do that? Before you start training. Anybody know how to swim? That's a hard question for black people. <laughs> Somebody said his wife ain't here. He wouldn't. <laughs> well, I can't swim. I can't swim. I lived by water all my life, but can't swim. Let me to tell you why. When I was eight years old, I went on a trip with the, I don't know, it wasn't the boys, boys, boys and Girls Club or whatever. It wasn't. It was something like that from our hood, from around our way. They had an organization that helped us little youngins. So I went on a trip. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go swimming. And we went to the pool. This was this big, huge inside pool. My friend jumped in the pool. Wow, what's gone? And I'm looking. Then another person from the side said, whoosh. What's gone? And I looked at him. Boy, I'm ready to swim. And I jumped in the pool and I felt like Peter. Lord save me. <laughs> and everybody was laughing at me. I need therapy. They didn't stop laughing. I got out of the pool looking crazy, feeling fearful and traumatized. That's a good word, traumatized. We're going somewhere with this. I went in the locker room to change. You know, we went into the locker room to change, and I'm feeling all spaghetti and stupid, and everybody's laughing. You know, man, you jump real good in that pool. And it was like, cat, 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 cat. And I was like, cat, cat. You know what I'm talking about. I'm ready to fight folks and all kinds of stuff. You know, it's that, it's that time. Traumatized. Let me say this to you. This is a word of encouragement if you don't learn anything else. The fellowshipping of the saints is to help you not jump in the pool by yourself. But to point to you, that's a trainer right there. 
That's a coach right there. That's the person that's going to teach you how to float before you <laughs> jump into eight feet. You're going to need this person, that person, that person so that you won't be traumatized by Christianity. They're going to help you get to a point where it becomes involuntary. It's going to become a habit. You're going to know how to swim. Because when you know how to do it, you could do it on your own. Then you can help somebody else. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So today I make an appeal to the body of Christ. There are some habits that you have to measure and discern and see where you are with those habits. And when you identify whether you are built up doing poor or haven't even started at all, tried to start, but just said, I ain't going to do it, or I ain't got time, or I wanted to, whatever feelings you have, wherever you're at with these, we're going to do it together. Not going to force you to pray for an hour if you haven't prayed for 30 seconds. (laughs) <laughs> it takes training. Yes, yes. That's where the church missed it. Suppose we can train each other. I'm, I'm going to look at that. Suppose the church train each other. Can you imagine how many people can glorify God in their walk? By building up necessary habits or behavior patterns that becomes almost automatic to the body. Do you know how much impact we can make when there's not just one or two people making impact, but the entire church? Based off of the habits where we can have people who can ask what ye will. And he says, I'm going to do it for you. Stand on your feet with me. It first starts with something to dedicate yourself to. And in this instance, we have to have a dedication to the Lord. And to glorify him. That has to be our daily commitment. To glorify the Lord. With a desire to glorify the Lord. With a desire to be. Daily attached 
to him. It's out of that attachment. The habits are formed. We want to teach you how to build these habits. Anybody want? So over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to talk about these habits, what they look like. One of the things that I cannot do is to force you to, to do anything or come anywhere or whatever, whatever the case may be. But it's going to take and request. If you want to discipline yourself and commit yourself to it, it's going to take your dedication. So let's take this moment. Go ahead and play something a little. There it is. See the anointing on that? Let's, let's just take this moment. You don't need to run to the altar. None of that. Let's take this moment. I'm going to call this a rededication moment. Let's take this moment to say, Lord, look introspectively. Look at where you are as it pertains to your walk. And Lord, there are some habits that you desire for us to form, be formed in us, to develop. Lord, we realize it's going to take our, to be trained, our training. For us to be committed to your instructions, your corrections, your guidance. So we look deep down within and with integrity of heart, with honesty of heart, we identify where we at, what needs to be developed. Like a good athlete, Lord God, should we work on our core? Our core is getting a little flabby. Our biceps are a little skinny. Lord, we're not balanced. We're bigger up top than we are. Small legs. (laughs) Father, whatever it is, we want our life. We are transparent. We're going to train transparently so that we can see how we can have a balanced walk. A walk that can glorify you today. We want to dedicate our lives. Rededicate. Start over, start again. With the heart to attach to you. To have an ardent adoration towards you. With a pursuit to walk and to glorify you to bear much fruit and to prove that we are your disciples we are your followers we are those highly effective believers who would be extremely dedicated to you They may call us 
extremists, we won't back down. They may call us holy rollers. We won't give up or go away. We will just yield simply to the mission of being extremely dedicated to glorifying you. So throughout today, not just this moment, but throughout the day and every day, we will have a self-examination to see how we can train and be developed in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen and amen. Well, let's start right now by giving him praise. Hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. He's a good God, and he is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. As I'm taking my seat, I have this little small book. Y'all see this, how small this book is? No more than 50 pages. It's called Building an Effective Prayer Life. And it's written by this wonderful pastor named Antonio. <laughs> Very simple. You can go right on Amazon and order it, and it'll bless your life. Of course, prayer, we, and you know, is one of the habits we're going to be talking about. That's why uh, Sister Joelle was dancing off that, when I pray. And so we're gonna, that's going to be our first one starting when I get back. So, uh, but this book will encourage you. It's a discipleship training book, and it has, it's, have some simple things that can help you get to the next level of prayer in your walk with God. God bless you. We love you. We love those who are watching by live stream in Jesus' name. We're going to get the benediction and we're going to go home.